Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's going on, guys? Welcome to River City 93, brought to you by For the Culture, Roughneck Scars, and of course, Icarus FC. This is your host, Elliot Barr, and joining me on the phone is first time guest, but Probably one of the smoothest guys in the league office, Mr. Ryan Madden. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing a lot better now that I'm one of the smoothest dudes in the league office. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, like, not, I'm not sure it's true, to be honest, man. But I'll I'll take it. I'm I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I picture you walking into the office with like an iced coffee and like a three piece suit, like oh, for man. most meetings. Yo. Coffee part is right, but um, but it's definitely not a three piece. I can I can guarantee you. <laughs> All right, well that is funny. So real quick before we hop into the interview, um, can you describe like what do you do for the office? How did you get into the position? Like what is your soccer yeah. background and everything? Yeah, I, so I, I'm the vice president of, of communications. So I head up all of our, our communications and public relations. I also oversee um, some of our, our digital content production. And then I work closely with our um, larger digital staff, uh, a, a really talented group of, of professionals who oversee everything from social media to, to, to graphic design to video production. And that that group all reports into our senior vice president, Lizzie Seedhouse, who, who is fantastic. Um, and, and my journey here was, was pretty um, kind of bounced around all over the country. I started working in, I've always been a, a passionate, passionate soccer supporter, and I always wanted to work in soccer. But I started in, in college athletics and then took a job um, as, a, as a writer for CONCACAF, which is the, obviously the governing body and the, the confederation here in, in um, North and Central America and the Caribbean, and then was the head of communications and public relations for the Colorado Rapids in Major League Soccer. I also worked in the, the U.S. Olympic Committee setup for a little while, and then two years ago, my wife, um, two dogs, and, and now um, two children came down to, to Tampa, Florida to work for USL, and it's been one of the most, um, if not the most, fulfilling professional experience of my life. I, I love the league, I love the people, and um, and I think our, our future is incredibly bright. Mm, okay, so I gotta ask, when you uh, meet up with your friends from college and whatnot, do you kind of rub it in their face, like, you know who's a VI, uh, vice president? Me. Do you ever do that? No, nah, they don't care. They don't oh. care at all. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, they're throwing shade at me because they're, um, they're, you know, they're very, uh, especially my buddies from, from, I went to school in Missouri, um, and a lot of them are like very traditional American sports fans. So uh, they're big like baseball, basketball, football guys, and I'm a big hoops guy too. But um, but they're always, uh, they're always, they're always hitting me up asking me what this whole soccer thing's all about. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually a bit frustrating at times to be honest. <laughs> 
I mean, you sound like me and my family. My family always asks me, like, every time the world comes on, is, uh, what's his name playing? Like, Mom, Paley retired, like, 30 years ago. He He's not yeah, playing right, nothing. That's right. <laughs> that's right. They know, they know Pele, Maradona, and David Beckham. And that's, um, that's about the extent of their international <laughs> soccer knowledge. So, I got it. Look, I'm, I'm doing good work, man. I'm trying to educate these dudes one, one step at a time. <laughs> As well, I was going to get into the questions then with that great intro. Um, as we all know, USL has been kind of shut down with the coronavirus and everything like that. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you guys made a statement. I think we're supposed to return to play July 18th and everything works out, right? Correct. That's right. So how will things look, especially with USL League 1, but also the championship in League 2, how will things look moving forward um, with that restart date in mind? Are there talks of like doing a possible playoff or regional play or kind of merging the lines between championship and League One, how would that look? So, it's a really good question, and I think maybe the best way to answer it is just to, to kind of give you and the listeners a, a little bit of um, a kind of a preview of what's coming down the pipe in the next couple of weeks. So, obviously, competition structure and scheduling are the things that we get asked about the most, and I don't have a, a date for you right now, and I, I can't break any news, but what I can tell you is that we have four major announcements coming up between now and when um, when the ball starts getting kicked around. The first is going to be an announcement on competition format, and I think you could see that announcement come as soon as within the next week. And, and by competition format, we're talking number of games, um, what the uh, what the you know a potential playoff model could look like, what a regular season model could look like. Um, a lot of information um, about just the look and feel of the league in 2020. The next announcement, in all likelihood in order after that, will be um, an announcement on a return to full-sided training followed by a release of the league's health and wellness policies. Um, So essentially the the 40 to 50-page document that's been crafted by medical experts from all over the country that will govern the league's return to play to make sure it's being done in in a safe way. And then lastly... The final piece to the puzzle will be the schedule. So four major announcements come in. I, I know people are eager, and I'm, I'm confident we'll get it all done in the next, you know, let's say two to four weeks. And as things stand today, we're still on track for a July 18th start date. So stay tuned, man. Some exciting news is coming down the pipe. Mm, okay. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So one of the other questions I want to ask, and this is kind of going into playoffs, um, let you guys kind of made the announcement. You guys were expanding playoffs from, I think, four teams to six, correct? I want to make sure I'm right in that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what um, – that will all be determined for this season in that competition structure announcement. So last year there was four. Mm-hmm. And then this year we're going to um, – you know, obviously this is a, a, some very unique circumstances. So yeah. the Board of Governors in League One has to vote on a – to finalize the competition structure, and then as soon as that's done, we'll um, we'll make the announcement public. Okay. Well, the question I was going to ask was, are there talks of past this year? You know, this year is kind of like a crazy year. It's mm-hmm. kind of throwing off. But with the playoff format, are there talks of just sticking with the 16 format, or are you guys looking to eventually down the road going to a two-leg format or anything like that? For sure, absolutely. You know, if the question is, is you know, whether or not we're open to it, then there's there's no doubt. Yes, we're absolutely open to it. But to be honest with you, Elliot, there, there aren't 
that many competition structures that we're not open to exploring. I mean, I, look, I, I think the reality is this. Is, is a league, we've made tremendous progress over the last 10 years. The league has grown faster than, than anyone could have predicted. 10 years ago, USL was a, a single 18 league without a ton of fanfare or, or brand recognition. And today, it's the largest, fastest-growing professional soccer organization in the United States. Um, you know, it has three different divisions. Championship, League One, League Two, well over a hundred clubs, um, a, a burgeoning academy network, uh, a media rights deal that sees us providing more live content to ESPN Plus than any other professional league in the world, a billion dollars, real or proposed, and stadium development. The list goes on. Um, and if I think if, if if you had told someone ten years ago that all of that was going to happen, they would have said, "No way, there's no chance. That's, that, that's not that's not possible." Um, but it it did happen, and it, and it was possible, and. Um, the really exciting question for USL supporters is what will this league look like in another 10 years? What will this league look like in 2026 when the World Cup comes to town? If we continue on this current growth trajectory, um, something genuinely really, really special lies ahead. And, and the reason I'm saying all this is because if we're going to continue to grow and to expand in the way that we have, it's going to be because we don't lose sight of what's really important, and that's that's the supporters, and if, if these types of ideas that, that you're talking about are are what supporters want to see, then we owe it to everyone to take a look and to strongly consider it. Okay. So, well, you kind of throw a question out there, so I'm going to ask you back. Where do you yeah. see USL in 10 years? Like, where do you see it? Yeah, uh, if you don't, I'm going to so use the 2026 World Cup, because I, I, um, I think it's something tangible, right? So the, yeah, the world. Sure. The world's biggest sporting event is is six years away as we sit here today. And there's this runway that we have between now and the 2026 World Cup where the increase, there's going to be substantially increased appetite for professional soccer between now and then amongst casual fans, amongst our most avid fans, and maybe some people who don't consider themselves soccer fans right now, but over the next couple of years are are going to be it, just because of the just because of what's coming down the pipe um, and the growth that our professional leagues are experiencing at the moment. Not just USL, MLS, NWSL as well. Um, so, so if the question look, if the question is where are we in 2026? I think we have a, a fully expanded and fully matured um, championship that has added a couple more of the the top. 50 major metropolitan markets in the country, um, some of which has been talked about before. I think League One um, has seen significant expansion. I think you could have 12, you have 12 teams now, but that number could be in the mid-20s. That number could be even higher, potentially, by the time that event rolls around. We will have um, increased... Uh, our broadcast capabilities. We will we'll be on a, a, another media rights deal. Our academy system will be more fully programmed and, and developed. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of exciting type of competition format structures that we're exploring. So um, the way that the, the leagues interact and, and, and the way that this whole thing is set up might be slightly different. Um, so there's a ton of, of really cool things that are coming down the pipe that'll be brought to fruition in the next six years. And, um, you know, I think everyone that's involved in USL is really excited about it. But me on a personal level, I mean, that's a big part of 
of what makes working here so fulfilling and, and, and so fun is, is part of it is the unknown because if you had said six years ago that we were going to be where we are today, like I said, man, no, no one would have believed us. No one would have believed um, whoever was, was saying that. And so, you know, I, I think we have a good sense of where we want to be in six years, but there's also a, a real possibility that we could we could grow far beyond that and be something even better and something even more special. So I'm, I can't wait to see what this thing looks like when, uh, when that road show comes to town. Mm, okay. So, you know, the one carry every listener of this show is probably going to wonder, you're going to address it or not. Are USL looking at, we know you guys are looking at pro rail, but what are, what is a tangible idea date of when USL will be like, Hey, pro rail is something that we're going to be looking to do very soon. Yeah, to, to borrow a line from from USL president Jake Edwards, with every passing day, we get a little bit closer. And and look, I, I get it. It's a it's a really exciting topic, and people want to know. All right, you guys have talked about it, but when when are you actually going to do it? But um, I think we we also need to be a bit more clear eyed in our understanding of the work that needs to be done before we can get there. Because look, ultimately, a decision about the possibility of promotion and relegation isn't one that's going to be made autonomously by the league office. That, that would be something that was voted on and approved um, by both leagues' board of governors. And, and to even get to the point where we can have an intelligent conversation about what that might look like, a couple of things need to happen. First and foremost, League One has to continue to grow. Um, perhaps you know we can talk about expansion at some point during this chat, but having a more developed Mature League One is an absolutely essential prerequisite for any consideration of promotion and relegation. The other important piece um, is continued interest from supporters across the country. Like I mentioned before, ultimately this is a decision that will be made by the league's ownership groups, and their perception of benefits and risks will be largely informed by what their supporters are telling them. Now, some of that work is being done already. I, I don't know if you saw the supporters survey in the athletic but more than 90 percent of usl supporters or at least 90 percent of those polled would like to see it that's a huge number add in the mls supporters survey where over 3,000 fans were surveyed and it appears that among the most avid soccer fans in the united states more than three out of every four fans would like to see it implemented on top of that 78% of fans say that they would actually increase their spending if promotion and relegation was instituted. So you add, you add all of that together, and it's just too overwhelming of a sentiment to ignore, I think. So we'll, look, we'll see what happens. There's a long way to go, but the movement for promotion and relegation within USL um, does seem to be gaining momentum. Mm, okay, okay. I, I look forward to the day where I can see the Richmond kickers get out of League One and Get back to the glory days of the championship. <laughs> um, another question I have is USL, it was kind of rumored out there in the Twitter spirit. You know, Twitter can kind of be a rabbit hole of information. Um, it was kind of rumored out there that USL was interested in doing a women's league. Any thoughts yep. about that or how is that coming about? It's certainly possible. Um, it's still a, a work in, in progress at the moment. You're right about Twitter not always being a, a, an entirely reliable source of information. I, I completely agree with that. But there is some there is some merit to this idea. Um, look, for, first first and foremost, we have a, a large amount of owners, whether it's in the championship or in League One, who are interested in helping 
to grow the women's game. I think the, the primary motivation for them is to help kind of close the opportunity gap. You know, if you think about where things are today, the, the U.S. Soccer Federation has over 1.7 million players registered. Um, during the, the 2016 and 2017 school year, there were about 388,000, I think, um, women's high school women's soccer players and another 40,000 women's college players. Yet, only there's only like 310, 315, I think, available roster spots at the professional level. So the amount of, of, of young women who are aspiring to be professional athletes and the number of available roster spots at the professional level, um, that gap needs to close. We need to do better. We need to create more opportunity. So to help USL club ownerships, um, we brought on a former U.S. women's national team player um, and a very talented sports executive named Angela Hookleys, um to help come in, listen to the, the professional soccer community, listen to the women's soccer community, engage with our ownership groups, and then find a smart, sustainable way of, of seeing where USL can fit into that. We already have an academy pathway at the moment, and we're very intent on this being a bottom-up approach. So we want to, you know, if, if the opportunity is there, we, we might be interested in helping to build up the lower the lower divisions of, of women's soccer in, in the U.S. And um, and we're excited about about where it could go. But like I said, there's, you know, uh, collectively as a as a as a as a North American soccer community, I think we all need to work harder to provide more opportunities for women to achieve their professional dreams. Um, it's a goal. It's a goal worth spending time working for, and it's a goal worth spending time fighting for and um and we're certainly looking to be proactive in that space over the coming years okay so in your ideal world how would usl women's soccer look like you know would it be the same format as a championship of league one league two or would it be a little bit more of just one singular focused league it's a it, look it's a really fair question but the reality is that that's the work that that angela and our owners are doing at the moment is, mm-hmm. is figuring out exactly what that perfect scenario looks like, where USL can best be positioned within the women's soccer landscape to help create more opportunities. And, and the results of that, of that, um, of those conversations aren't, aren't clear to us yet. Um, I, I expect they probably will be in, in, in the coming months and over the next, um, maybe, you know, year or so, but it's, um, it's not something we have complete clarity on at the moment. So, uh, unfortunately, we're all I can tell you is that we're we're actively looking at, at the ways that we can that we can best support um, women who are looking to achieve their their professional goals. But I don't have a league structure or a concrete timeline for you at the moment. Ryan, I gotta say I love you because you tried your best to navigate that question as best as you could. <laughs> I gotta say. Because I was thinking, I was like, maybe I should ask this question. I'm just going to ask it. You you did your best. I give you that. I'm trying my best over here. I'm trying my best. (laughs) Making sure that you get yourself caught up in anything tangible. I like it. I like it. Um, (laughs) So we saw from USL League One, with it being its first year, we saw a couple of players from USL League One, Connor Antley and uh, Joey G, as we call them down here in Richmond, uh, make them move up to USL Championship. You know, you kind of be a little bit closer to the USL League One. Can you talk to us about how that made you feel seeing those players that started off in these clubs in year one make their big moves up 
Um, also, you could throw Nick Moon in there as well. Uh, make their move up to the championship and kind of seeing that flexibility of player movement that we haven't really seen in between leagues in American soccer. Man, that was so cool. Uh, it's um, it's amazing to see it. We every single move when a player goes from League One to the Championship is um, is really heartwarming. I think for all of us because the the reality is just two years ago League One didn't exist, which means those opportunities didn't exist, which means that really talented players were either having to go find a different avenue to pursue their dreams or they they were falling through the cracks entirely. So every one of those success stories is is incredible for us. And, and, you know, I I honestly think we need to do a better job of telling those stories because um, the opportunity for, for people to come into local community clubs, prove themselves, and then move up and play at a higher level, that's, that's, that's what this is all about, and um, and I, I just I love seeing it. And the reality is, over the next couple of years, it's only going to get um, more and more prevalent. Mm, okay, okay. It's, I mean, that's probably the same for you, right? Like, it, it, from a from a supporter standpoint, it's got to be it's got to be cool to see because you you develop like a, an emotional investment in those guys, and then they move on, and then you end up following their careers, right, in ways that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Well, for me, honestly, it sucked, Lad. It sucked to see Joey G move because he was the bright spot of the team that did horrible last year. But I am happy for him to see that he made the move up to USL Championship. I'm definitely excited for him. But it sucks, honestly, to see this guy who had memorable moments, like the South South Georgia game, the Greenville game, the Chattanooga game. I mean, Chattanooga game, all of them. Like, to see him move, it was kind of sad, but also good at the same time to see it's good for him, though, right? Like, yeah, it look, is. he's out there—he's out there achieving his dreams, man. We gotta—we gotta support. We gotta support. I got guys. Yeah, you're right. We gotta support. We gotta support. Um, so going a little bit to expansion and whatnot, you know, one of our favorite friends, Ira Jersey, he's probably listening to this, is starting his own team in USL League Two, um, out there in New Jersey. I think it's Mercer. I don't know. New Jersey to me is just a wasteland of cities. Um. <laughs> But can we talk? Can you talk to us about how a team or a particular ownership group goes about expansion and what is USL League's one look to expansion and how is it going about? Well, uh, like think about it this way: so, so MLS only has you know a couple of, of maybe a couple of expansion spots left over the next couple of years, right? Um, and and the championship is also nearing completion on that front getting very close so if you're a community around the country and you're looking to bring professional soccer to your hometown which more and more these communities are even on a daily basis so um league one really is is the the only real show in town on that front so the amount of interest that communities are showing to USL and wanting to bring professional soccer there is is extraordinary. You know, I think we're in, last time I checked, and I, last time I talked to the guys who, who work on expansion here at USL HQ, we were in conversations with over 50, 50 communities across the country. We were in active negotiations with 15, and we're currently planning three to five expansion announcements between now and the end of the year. So 
crisis, like I, the appetite, that appetite to bring professional soccer to, to new communities around the country has, has not been, um, hasn't been deterred at all. It hasn't slowed. It's the momentum is still there and it's gaining. So I'm, look, man, I'm, I'm really bullish about, about where we're heading from a, an expansion standpoint. And I think it'll be cool for communities like Richmond and Greenville and Statesboro and, and Madison to, um, to welcome some new teams and, and some new blood into the league. And, and hopefully even as we fill out that sort of national footprint, give you guys more and more opportunities to, to be able to jump in a car or a bus and head to games. Um, so that you can you can do some more away days, you know. Mm, oh, away days for Richmond? I haven't had one of those in a long time. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We, that's why we, that's why it's so important, man. You can look, you and the crew can load up uh, in the car and head and do an away day, man. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, it would be. Instead of having to take a plane to get to like the nearest place, um, wow. I'm also going to make a note that you said that USL League One will be the greatest league in all of world soccer. So I'm just going to put that down. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just gonna put yeah. that down there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the headline. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, going to a little bit more unfortunate news. Uh, we had an unfortunate incident with, you know, the passing of George Floyd and police brutality. Mm-hmm. We saw USL, unlike other leagues, kind of give their players the forefront. It wasn't like a league statement or anything like that, or. It was kind of like USL gave players such as Hugh Roberts, uh, Devontae, and others the forefront to speak on matters of what's going on. Um, can you speak about you know what went into that decision process? Um, what are clubs looking to do to uh, push the game in the black community? What outreach is being done? Things like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, man, this is the most important thing that, that you and I will talk about today. We we believe, you know, as, an, as a league, as an organization, we believe in the in the Black Lives Matters movement. We support it, and, and not just in the short term. We're we're here to, to support um, this movement in the long run. Um, but I also think, as an organization, we understand that it's a topic that we need to listen um, more than more than we talk. And and that was the goal from the beginning was going to to the the Tim Howards of the world, going to the Hugh Roberts of the world, and, and asking them for advice like how what would you like to see out of our league how can we support you um and and you know maybe the most you know maybe the thing that's most worth sharing for this conversation is just a glimpse into kind of what we are hearing from them and look first and foremost they told us that um you know using our platforms to help amplify the voices of of those who have experienced racism oppression societal injustice firsthand um, would be helpful, you know, and, and I think those stories have, have been remarkable, moving, emotional stuff, you know, whether it's Hughes' essay titled Justice or J.J. Donnelly's piece or Connell Smith or um, Raji Jaidi in Hartford, these firsthand accounts, I think, have, have opened a lot of eyes across our league to what to what people are experiencing. You know, we've also heard that there's, a, that, that there's this, this concern that maybe the league would prohibit peaceful protests as it pertains to the anthem, which, of course, we would never, and, and we support anyone who wants to take that stance. And then the last last piece of early feedback that we got um, was making sure that days like Juneteenth, which, which comes this Friday, are being recognized and acknowledged. And um, to make sure that's happening, we're giving our entire staff the, the opportunity to um, to use it as a, as a, as a paid um, day off, and if they want to, if they want 
be an agent of positive change, but we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that that um, that that gives that amplifies the voices of those who, who, like I said, are experiencing things like racism, societal injustice, and oppression um, firsthand. Mm, okay. So, what efforts, you know, with the league going forward? You know, it's great that everyone, all the clubs, made a statement. You know, it's great to see the players have a a podium and the league supports them, but what efforts will the league be looking to do? And also member clubs, if you know any information, um, looking to do to expand the game in the African-American community and possibly coaching and things like that. Yeah, there's a couple different things. So, so one, we're going to get with every club. Um, Cause we're, look, we're based in Tampa, Florida and, and our network is of, of championship and league one teams is, is 47 deep, right? So we have 47 different professional communities in the United States, and I think it's a responsibility of ours to make sure that we're working with each one of those clubs to figure out the ways that we can help grow the game in, like you said, African-American communities um, within those cities. And and it might be a different approach uh, in each community because each community is different. You know, the needs of Richmond are different than than the needs of, of Statesboro or El Paso or Sacramento. And so mm-hmm. we're going to take a very um, community-specific approach to, to how we go about it. But I think providing more and more opportunities to get people involved in the game at a young age is a, is a good first step. And then I also think that, um, you know, we're going to – we need to focus on, on making sure that, that we're doing our part and, and whether that means um, making sure that, that – our hiring and inclusivity practices are where they need to be um, and making sure that we're, like I said, giving giving amplification to the voices of, of those who are being affected by these societal issues on a, on a regular basis are all, all really important. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's also great to see USL be one of the first leagues to have not one, but two black owners in Tim Howard and Demarcus Beasley. Um, yeah. You know, it's very rare that you see African Americans not just become coaches in soccer, but then become owners and things like that. Um, can you just speak to us how, you know, having two owners of that pedigree in your league does for USL? Well, those guys are amazing, you know. And and um, Tim is a I, Tim was the goalkeeper at the Colorado Rapids when I was the head of communications and public relations. So I, I've known Tim for years and. I think the absolute world of him. He's an amazing resource and soundboard um, for for all of us at USLHQ. You know, sometimes we have ideas, and it's funny. You know, we'll, we'll just be able to pick up the phone and call him and be like, "Hey, yo, Tim, what you know? What do you think about this? Or what do you think about that?" And he gives <laughs> he gives really honest feedback. You know, he'll he'll be like, "That's a great idea," or he'll be like, "No, that sucks. Definitely don't do that." So we um, it's 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 incredible to have a guy like that in the league who, who's um who's experienced the game at the highest levels. And then some of his former U.S. men's national teammates, like like DeMarcus in Fort Wayne, who right now is working to bring professional soccer back to his hometown, or Landon Donovan, who has an expansion team in San Diego this year. I think I think having those guys in our ecosystem and in our league is, is huge from a visibility standpoint for sure, but also because they're able to share their knowledge and their experiences with us. And I'm... But for every conversation I've ever had with those guys, I'm I'm better for it, um, and I think that's true of everyone at USL. Mm, okay, okay. So we're gonna go do a lightning round real quick. I got five questions to ask you. 
They're not super yeah. hard. They're not like pro rail and stuff like that, but they're very, <laughs> very easy. All right. So you ready? Look, I'm ready. I'm All right. Ready. Favorite player in USL League One to watch? Oh, come on. That is pandering. <laughs> uh, no, I'm serious. No, I swear. He okay. Was, he was lightning. He, I was, he was lightning last year. Like, every time that dude touched the ball last year, it was, um, he was, he was, it, you didn't, you didn't really know what was going to happen. So I'm, uh, I was like, this is my first time talking to you and on this podcast, but I've been on, I've been on that bandwagon for, uh, for well over a year now. So I got to ask, how did he not win goal of the year when he had two goal of the years in South Georgia? It's a travesty. It's a travesty. <laughs> I hundred percent agree. I would have voted for that in a heartbeat. I uh, it, it, that's what happens when we open it up, man. All, all the fans, everyone's out there just cheering on their home teams. It's not a. <laughs> I blame. It's not an unbiased population. Uh, I blame Ford Madison in South Georgia for that slightly. Yeah, you're, that's probably right. That's probably right. <laughs> all right, next right. question. Favorite food: breakfast or dinner? Oh, breakfast. I have breakfast for dinner most nights, so I'm a I'm a huge. Okay, all right. Top five albums you're listening to right now? Ooh, look, I'm a I'm a '90s hip hop guy, so I'm like right now in the car. I got um, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, Tribe Called Quest, Thirty Six Chambers, Wu Tang. Um, I got uh, Binary Stars debut album, Souls of Mischief '93 to Infinity. And uh, what's number five? Um, People under the stairs would be would be the other one that I'm listening to right now. Okay, okay. Favorite re- WWE wrestler right, hey, of all time? You gotta tell me though on that oh. one. Give me your give me your five. What's all right, my five right now. I'll give you. Yeah, right now. All right, so I got uh, Boz's Icarus. I'm playing right now. Um, okay. Future High Life. Who else I got? Yeah. Young Jeezy. Uh, TM103. And recession, because when I graduated, I listened to recession every day that senior year of high school. So recession is like my all-time <laughs> favorite album. Um, J. Cole's 2014 Forest Hill Drive. So yeah, real, yeah. real quick backstory: when J. Cole did his tour dates for 2014 yeah. Forest Hill Drive, he announced it in Norfolk, and I was working at the time at Jason's Deli, and it was the same day as the concert. And I told my boss, I was like, look, I really want to go to this concert. I got time off. My boss was like, well, you can't take the time off. And so I quit. And I went to J. Cole's concert. No, you just straight up quit? I'm yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> I'm just going to quit. <laughs> how so, was, hey, how was the show, though? Oh, best concert I've ever been to. Because right. that concert he brought out, it was J. Cole, uh, YG, and this is when Boss first got on scene. So it was like all right. of them and all of Dreamville. And man, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. Man, that's cool. That's cool. I also like that you're listening to The Recession. That came out um, That came out my, my junior year of college for me. I'm, I'm dating myself, I know. But uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that whole album was, um, was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. My Lambo's blue. My president is black. I, I felt that in my spirit. Yeah, I felt that I was right. Even though I didn't have a car my senior year of high school, I was still like saying that line. Like it was in my soul. My president had had Nas on it, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, that's right. It that's was right. solid. It was solid. All right. Yeah. Next question. Sorry. 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 No, you're fine. Top three uh, favorite WWE wrestlers of all time. I don't even know any oh. WWE wrestlers <laughs> of all time, man. I'll, hey, I'll go way back in 
when I was a kid. I remember there was um, The Undertaker. There was a dude named um, Tanaka and, uh, and 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 Ric Flair. Way way old school. Those are the only those are the only dudes I know. To be honest. Okay. All right. I'll give I'll give you a pass sorry. on that one. Sorry, sorry. That that's not my uh, that's not my thing. <laughs> I I, I had to give you one curveball to see if you wanted. To yeah, no, it's good. You're keeping me sharp, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I I fear I may have embarrassed myself on that one. Nah, you're fine. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> favorite soccer moment of all time. I was at the 19. I was really young. Um, but my dad took me to the the 1994. World Cup game, and it was when the U.S. beat Colombia two to one at the Rose Bowl, and it was sort of the day that, um, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but it was sort of the day that I fell in love with with the sport and Alexi Lawless and and John Hartz and Eric Winalda and Tab Ramos and Tony Miola and Marcelo Balboa and all those guys out there in the denim kits, you know, fighting for their country and, and knocking off one of the prohibited favorites to win the entire tournament. Um, the, you know, the top qualifiers out of South America. I think they beat Argentina like 5-1 in route to, to qualifying for the World Cup. That was a massive, massive day. And I think the success of that team at that World Cup was a launching pad for everything that's come after it. Um, I don't know that MLS would have had the success it's had and the growth that it's had. I don't know if USL would be where it is today if those if those 23 guys hadn't shown up to the stadium that day and, and put on the show they did. It was a a truly, truly transformative moment in the history of soccer in the United States. Mm, okay, okay. All right. Well, you, you got four out of five. I give you that. All right, I'll take you. That's a passing grade. That's an 80% <laughs> That's a B. That's well, a B. I'll take it. <laughs> well, Ryan, man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to see what the USL does going forward, not only with expansion and how they're going to resolve this whole scheduling mess with since COVID happened, but also the work you guys are talking about doing within the black and uh, African-American communities. Hey, listen, man, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for letting me dance around a couple of those questions that I didn't have great answers for you on. And, um, and if you look, if you ever have ideas, um, I know, I know how involved, you know, you are in the Richmond community. If you ever have ideas and ways that we can help, um, you locally, you know, never hesitate to reach out. We're here to, we're here to support, man. We're trying to grow this thing, and, um, and we just, just appreciate you very, very much. Oh, well, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you later, all right? All right. Talk to you later, <laughs> All right, bye.